Tell him the damn story, Alex Simmons. Well, you know, um, yes, I have, I have, and and if we're, you know, I, I sort of miss our traditional opening, so I'm just gonna go. Hey, Chris, how you doing? How you doing? Hey, what's up, Alex Simmons? How you been? Uh, I've been good. I've been real. Yeah, well, close enough, anyway. Yeah. Uh, last last week, our last episode was uh, a product of a trip that you made, which yes. and we have you came back with a treasure trove. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, that was uh, we went to the the second year. I went to Deadly Inc. Mystery Writers Conference in beautiful Parsippany, New Jersey. Um, at least that's where it was this year. Um, it was that kind of a weekend. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that's where it was this year. Um, I guess they're, they're always in that area, that kind of stuff. But it's a fascinating small conference. You know, you go to something like International Thriller Writers and, I don't know, you're a speck in the ocean, you know, because... It's it's all the bestsellers and it's huge here. Um, although it deserves a bigger audience, it is uh, it's manageable. You know, you get to talk to everybody, you get to interact with a wide range of authors. We had uh, some best-selling authors, um, cozy writers traditional mysteries, speculative fiction mysteries, mixed genre, uh, fascinating group of uh, 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 authors and a, and a wide range of authors from... You know what that reminds me of? I'm sorry to cut you off, just simply show show my age anyway, you, you look gorgeous. Um, the old Comic-Cons. Yeah. We're in the hotels. I mean, people now, especially people of a certain age, they now know Comic-Cons as these huge extravaganzas. But yeah, back in the day when they were in a hotel and they took up maybe a conference room, a ballroom, and a hallway, you know, you could yeah. meet and, and, and talk to a lot of the artists and get sketches and buy pages of art and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, and this was, you know, it was all in one hotel. Uh, we had two conference room rooms. And then for the larger events, we had... Uh, I guess you'd call it a small. It, called, it was called a muse. It was a small restaurant and that kind of thing, um, and they would take that out. Uh, so it, you know there was there was plenty of room. I I held an experiment. This is the mm-hmm. kind of con it is where you reach them and say, "Hey, I'd like to try this," and they said, "Okay," uh, and I printed up a small little uh, like the first thirty-two pages of something that I'm writing with Tina. And... Goddess. Yep, regular that's right. The, the wife, the goddess. So um, the idea was uh, there was a little survey in it and read it, fill out the survey, and I pulled out one uh, at the, I guess it was the Saturday night banquet, and that person won a $25 gift, gift certificate to Barnes & Noble um, or a gift card. So I got some interesting feedback, and I got a lot of verbal feedback, and... Uh, uh, that's going to be heavily rewritten because I we kind of jumped in and didn't know the rules. So that's a great lesson that you have to learn the rules of the genre. Oh, the uh, genre. You know, so this was somewhere between 
uh, mystery and cozy. And uh, Tina and I are in talks now as to which direction it should go in. Uh, but uh, it was such a positive thing. Um, even with all the mistakes, it was printed. The, le- the actual words were printed ridiculously small. And um, I printed way too many more than I needed. So, you know, you learn all these things. But the feedback and the acceptance of, okay, this is kind of wild. Um, but yes, here, here's the feedback, you know. Like, um, I didn't know that in Cozy... There is no sex, cozy, you know, mysteries or romances. Uh, for many other levels of romance, there's no sex. Now, I wrote around the sex, but it was still, you understand what physical position they were in. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time I ever wrote like that. So uh, it was a real big risk. And that always, taking the risk always lights you up as a, as a creator, you know, or a creative. I got, and, I got- uh, my curiosity we don't have to talk about it now but i'd love to at some point uh come back to that either this episode or another episode come back to that sort of thing because um if if cozy is different from romance novels yeah very much when i hear romance novels i think barbara cartland when i hear cozies like a cozy mystery is that what we're talking about yeah and now we have a couple of uh we have an interview with two very successful cozy writers that uh agreed to be interviewed together and mm-hmm. it was it was fascinating because they had uh interesting opposite approaches to uh the genre so that's coming up um so yeah and, that and, that's like i said i'd love to come back to that I didn't, again didn't mean to interrupt you but that piqued my interest, so I think some yeah. At another time, we should definitely talk about that. But go ahead. So you were telling us about yeah. the experience. Well, it was just an interesting experience, and we were able to get I was able to get a good handful of interviews. Um, last week we did uh, the group interview with three uh, people. We had uh, Carol and uh, Joe and Teal um, talking about writers groups, and I thought that was you know apropos for. Um, uh, tell the damn story because it's it's something that uh, will encourage the writing, but we haven't really talked about it a lot. Um, they also did one on going out and and reading, going to um, reading events, whether you listen to other uh, writers read their stuff or whether you take the plunge and and read in front of an audience. Uh, and the so about that, some people listening may not have been exposed to. You know, when some people hear reading, they think, oh, I go to a library and I sit and I look at other people's work. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, sometimes that happens, but uh, like Mystery Writers of America uh, sponsor um, uh, reading nights at uh, a bar in Manhattan. This is the, just the local chapter uh, in Manhattan. Uh, the bar is called KGB. And then people come up and all that sort of stuff. And that experience of reading in front of an audience, um, it changes how you see your writing. You know, you, you can see it much, much more clearly. Um, a matter of fact, uh, and we've done that with Blackjack. Yeah. 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 And actually at, uh, Deadly Inc., uh, I was asked to come up and read, um, and I didn't think I was on the list, but since I was there and since we mentioned Teal before, he tossed me the little booklet of excerpt that I had uh, put, you know, put out for people to read. He says, read something from this. Uh-huh. And 
it was then that I realized how much uh, horizontal action was in those first couple of pages. <laughs> so, yeah, so I found um, I found a, a section that I could have uh, done, and uh, I went up there, and we had spent the afternoon talking about genre and talking about cozies and what is the do's and don'ts and all that sort of stuff. So the first thing I said was, uh, well, as we learned, uh, or as I learned this afternoon, this is not a cozy. And it got a really big response, a lot of laughs. And then it kind of relaxed me to read this short excerpt, uh, which was, you know, it paid dividends two and three days later. Uh, I am in the, in the process of very carefully going through a final edit on one of my other novels. And if anything comes of that, I'll explain what happened. Um, and I'm using a lot of techniques that I learned from John Sanford at the Thriller Fest. And then what I learned from uh, a couple of people at uh, Deadly Inc., uh, Charles, I'll have to, I'll have to get his name, and a few other people who did those the early sessions. Um, so I'm applying all those things I learned, and what I'm finding is oh, that chapter. That would have been a great reading, and this would have been a great reading. And you know, the final polish. One of the things you do is you sit somewhere and read out loud. And mm-hmm. a matter of fact, I, I actually read an excerpt onto tape that I'm going to send you for uh, uh, an episode. Uh, we'll, we'll put it in as an episode. And you can hear me stumble across a couple of words that I thought were one way and were another. So you'll hear me addressing on the fly, and it's a good example of mm. you know, how you do that final polish. But then you go back, you do all those polishes, you go back, you read the chapter one more time, you know, unless you stumble again. And then, you know, the idea is to be able to read it without... You know, so it's all smooth and sound. And then you start hearing, wow, that would have been effective. That would have been effective. So not only am I polishing, but I'm also learning to choose the reading more carefully. I was fairly flippant this year. I'll never be that again. So, you know, it's fascinating what you can learn from a conference. And Deadly Inc., if you're in the New Jersey area, it's kind of central New Jersey. So if you're in the tri-state area and you can get there, uh, you should really think about Deadly Inc. as a place that is still approachable, you know, and still you can get in on kind of a crowd level, you know. And again, as I said, the age group of the writers is, you know, from some young writers to a lot of writers who have had other careers first. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I've I've been struggling with that. Is it, you know, is it too late for me to still establish to cross over from independent to get out? But you do, you you know, uh, what's it called? Imposter syndrome, right? Everybody has it. We talked about uh, Neil Gaiman talking about that, right? He he experienced another Neil saying that, "What am I doing here? I'm not." And it was Neil Armstrong who had walked on the moon. You know, he's like, if this guy has imposter syndrome, all of us can embrace it and toss it away because it's just part of the creative process. So here I am watching people my age and older than me, frankly, 
still being creative, still believing, still putting stuff out, and it it vitalizes you. You're like, okay, now, you know. In some situations, I know you know this, but you know, just putting it out there. Some situations, some people have grown up being denied that opportunity to explore that part of their soul, their their oh, being. Yeah. You know, from and and all, I don't even mean maliciously, but sometimes you know, family, friends, whatever, culturally, yeah, yeah, all good intentions tell you no, that's nonsense. Do this. This is right. what everybody else does. This is what you should do. Mm-hmm. And they spend much of their adult life towing that line until some oh. some something happens. Boom! They try to get it out. And with all love, that was that was my home experience. You know, yeah, uh, came from a civil service. Uh, family, generations old, you know, of, of doing civil service type work, and it's hard if it's not part of your culture to uh, conceive of that kind of more independent lifestyle, a creative lifestyle, that how are you going to pay your bills, how are you going to be able to put food on the table, and you have to work through that, and sometimes it takes a life, you know, and yeah. Added to that, you know, I was, I did go kind of uh, uh, off the reservation because I went into newspapers, uh, small ones, you know, granted, but um, that was during the crack wars. And I really felt I needed to give back after writing about hundreds of wounded or dead kids. Um, I felt like I was stealing from them. And that resulted in what is going to be 30 years of penance, you know, teaching in schools, you know. But I feel, you know what, I feel free. I feel like I've grown as a writer through all that time. And it, it feels like there's nothing holding me back anymore. So if that's the process that I had to go through, is that the journey I had to go through? Well, then, okay, what's next? Let's move forward, you know. Here you are. Here you are. And... Taking all that back to Deadly Inc., um, one of the things, one of the interviews I held was not uh, with an author. Uh, I saw this this is the second year that I, I met this guy last year uh, at Deadly Inc., as you'll hear in the recording. And um, then we started following each other on Instagram and that kind of stuff. And as I saw him this year, I was like, you know what? He would be such a fascinating, different approach to write the damn story. So uh, we're going to hear an interview with Dime Sleuth, and uh, it's a it starts about his Instagram page, in which he celebrates the crime genre and noir in particular, but also noir films and period jazz and how he kind of sets the pictures up of the books to celebrate the set the tone and that takes us into favorite books favorite movies you know all this sort of stuff and the conversation and that's one of the things that i try to do with these is have a conversation rather than an interview and it becomes this really interesting give and take about um influences and uh, uh, inspirations and all that on both sides, you know, and um, we talk about everything from 
films to books. We mentioned a, an old bookstore where uh, uh, prices haven't gone insane yet. Um, cover you mean art that exists now. It exists right this moment. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and we lament some of the book, you know, uh, the, he mentions a bookstore and I say I used to have one, but it disappeared. So that one becomes more valuable. And, um, there's just a lot of aspects that, that I didn't anticipate would come out of this Instagram page. So it's a, for me, it was a fascinating interview and I wanted to see if we could share it. So, uh, that's what we're offering up this Sunday. What do you think about an Instagram for Tell the damn story. We we didn't tell we didn't tell the audience exactly because you know some of the uh, online folks say you should set up your sort of table of verbal table of contents you know so people know what to expect. But you know again we sort of jumped right into it because I haven't had a chance to talk with Chris like this um, uh, a lot over the summer. Um, but we've got we've got this situation where you know Chris was at Deadly Inc. Um, you did all these wonderful interviews. We are going to be sharing them with you over the next few weeks, which is going to be great. And, you know, sometimes we'll do lead-ins like this. Sometimes it might, hey, you know, folks, you love us. So some of the episodes are going to be about us. But I did want to, <laughs> next week, next week, if I've got it counted right, and I believe I do, next week is our 100, 100 episode. Yeah, got a little surprise coming for you, and I know really we're supposed to be pitching the surprise so that you tune in next time. But you know what? Heck, we got social media. We'll alert you. We'll make sure you know. But we something special on the 100th episode, so you know, be prepared for that and be here for that. But this week, I, I knew even though we had this Deadly Ink interview episode that we were going to yeah. air, I said, Chris and I have to talk because well, you know, let's talk. This is a moment. This is a moment here. You know, just before that that centennial and i'm excited about that um we've been at this a long time uh doing these things ups downs all kinds of stuff with technology mm, you you don't need to hear about it you don't need to hear about it let's just say we learned <laughs> we're still learning too you know we learned what it takes to tell the damn story and we're still learning yeah that's going to be a story, and that's going to be a, the new series <laughs> yeah. technology you know the, the horror the horror but um, just to quickly throw in before we jump into the Deadly Ink interview, um, for me it's been kind of an interesting few weeks because I'm uh, not only wrestling with technology and establishing some projects that I'm working on, but I've also been dealing with some potential uh, projects that are like so close, so close. And I know Chris has gone through this, a lot of you listening when you're on the edge, you know, like you can almost touch this thing. It's almost a hundred percent real, and it could go left yeah. or it could go straight on. You know, so you don't want to talk about it too much because you don't want to be embarrassed or whatever. Right. But this is also a part of that journey uh, that we have to go through as freelancers or as artists. Uh, the reality is, the things that we can control, we can control. Right. Things we can't, you have to learn to deal with. You know, so the, the highs and lows are sometimes far more intense, depending on the project or the temptation or possibility. But the mechanism inside of you has to be very much the same. Yeah. You don't run and jump out a window if it doesn't go your way. You don't. You don't throw right. up in the books and burn and throw the typewriter out the window. Stomp on this computer. You don't break the pencils. You might have a little bit of a fit. You can break one pencil. Well, but, you know, and the the other part of that I, is. 
Like, for example, I tabled everything but this one project this summer. Mm -hmm. And I've been going through it, oh, each chapter, again and again, until it's right, and really polishing it, and doing the... I have no guarantee. There's not a signed contract sitting here. It's part of me, you know, making the journey from independent to hopefully, you know, so-called legit publication. And to use the title of a story of yours, this is also very much a leap of faith. Definitely a leap of faith. But to keep going and keep getting to the laptop and doing the work each day, you know, thank I really thank God that I stumbled across or wandered into John Sanford's uh, polishing uh, lecture at the Thriller Fest because I know I am taking the level of my work to the next the next bit up you know it's more professional than it's ever been yes and i mean i'm sweating the tone of words the you know how the sentence and also being careful not to make it so technically correct it's dead it has to have the heart and that's a delicate balance and the, and, and this summer has been uh, getting better at raising my game to that professional level. So whatever happens next, I feel like this summer was well spent. And then you go from there. And that's all you can do, you know? We are, in fact, you know, core of our profession is that leap of faith. Mm -hmm. You're right. That was a blackjack story, babe. (laughs) (laughs) I was, um, you know, because, again, the... um this summer was my, actually started in May, but the official release of uh, The Day Chronicles, which is uh, an anthology of stories about Blackjack's sister, uh, Mary. And this is something that I've lived with, the, the desire to do this, I've lived with for years. And even did a fundraiser at one point to try and help get support, because it's an independent project. And, you know, as much as I would hear people mostly women, but as much as I would hear people talking about strong female leads and characters and fiction and better representation, I wasn't getting the support that I needed to help produce this property. And for a while I thought, okay, well, maybe I'm not the one to do this, or uh, maybe, you know, this is only like a small niche of people who are talking about this and the rest of the world was quite fine with testosterone heroes. And what came to me over a period of time, and it's one of the reasons the book is dedicated to my daughter, is and we've talked about this, it's, it's really about trying to be true to your spirit and to mm-hmm. messages you're trying to tell through your stories. And I was raised by strong women, and yes, one of them, my mother in particular, took quite a beating, you know, through life in terms of health and all that, and she kept persevering, and there was, even when she was in a nursing home, uh, her last years, she went around trying to comfort other patients who couldn't get out of the bed. Right. And I heard this from caretakers there. You know, your mother is this, your mother goes around, she visits these people, she can't see, she can't do, but she makes sure. So for me, it was, I always knew that there were strong women in the world. You know, you start to do some homework and some research, and you find them throughout history. So I was re-inspired in, uh, to, to pursue this project, and in particular to, again, dedicate it to my daughter, because I want her to know that she comes from that stock, that there are other women out there, and that she was a very willful person in a positive way, but she's also very willful. I want her to know that that's, that's, a, that's a plus. You know, you'll learn to interact with people and all that, but yes, be strong, understand your values, stand for what you believe in, 
All of that is a quality that that men and women should uh, aspire to. So, get, finding your voice, mm-hmm. uh, stand for what you want, for what you believe in, uh, getting those stories that are really a part of you out, and as you're talking about, putting in the the, the additional time. Not even call it extra time, the necessary time to try and make it as good as you can. Right. Can is key, and even I've still found mistakes and, and things that I've looked at. And I've oh, yeah. So I'm going to redo, you know, I'm going to keep working on it, even though it's out, I'm going to I'm going to reissue it at a certain point. Right. Because certain things I didn't get right. But the story is out, and that was that was important. That was a part of that journey. And I know what you're, you know, we're going to get to the Deadly Ink piece, but, you know, even there, you guys are talking about some of the old films and some of the old stories. Right. And some of those were inspirations to people like you and I. Yeah. So I well, what this interview does is it it celebrates the finish line. Every every writer, every creator, you know, at some point you dream of someone else. You know, you put stuff out there, and you hope that it's received, right? And yeah. that's the that's the connection. You you want to make that full arc. And this uh, gentleman, this uh, dime salute. He celebrates that. He loves what he loves in such a pure way that it comes across even on an Instagram page. You know, if you are on Instagram or on Twitter, he's on Twitter as well. Uh, Dime Sleuth, one word. Instagram handle. Right, his Instagram handle, yeah. And you'll see, you know. And and there are many um, book celebration uh, Instagram accounts. a lot of them are young female readers, and that's beautiful. Uh, he's not that. He's a different style, and that style comes across. Not that one is better than the other, but being at a mystery conference, this context worked really well. Um, so it's 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 kind of a celebration of doing all those things we've been talking about this episode. That's the goal, is to make that connection and have someone experience and love what you loved enough to spend put all that time into you know so so yeah, in that way Dan, uh, dime sleuth is a, a perfect uh interview uh to do today then we should definitely get to it and and i, I just <laughs> again dime sleuth is his his handle that's not the name that mom and dad gave him it's not like dime sleuth mcgill that's right but, you know, it was interesting that he wanted to keep it dime sleuth, you know, to kind of keep it pure, keep the focus on um, the celebration. And I was like, fine, let's do it that way. That's okay. So let's, yeah. let's definitely get into that, folks. Chris and I will say enjoy, enjoy, because we're going to jump right into that interview and we'll end with that interview. So you won't hear us knocking and shouting. Well, next and time you fight. hear us, it'll be 100. That's right. It'll be our winner. And we'll be celebrating it like you know. <laughs> very, very sober. Yeah, we'll be very sober. And, and, <laughs> yeah, right. Really, that's what we're going to be. Uh, and episodes. On that episode, we have a surprise for you. So uh, cool. stick around now for this wonderful Chris Ryan's interview with Dime Sloop from the Deadly Ink Mystery Conference in <laughs> Symphony, New Jersey. Enjoy, right, brother. Peace. Peace. Hey, it's Chris Ryan. Tell the damn story. We are here at Deadly Ink Mystery Writers Conference in beautiful Parsippany, New Jersey. And I am lucky enough to be sitting here with uh, a really fun special guest, 
we met last year. We started following each other on Instagram. He's got this great, great Instagram we're going to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, please uh, enjoy Mr. Dime Sleuth. How are you, Dime What's Sleuth? Up, Chris? I'm good. I'm very good. How are you? Glad to be a part of this. Uh, great. It's. Uh, um, I got to tell you, I have a lot of fun with your um, with your uh, Instagram. Um, That's great. There's kind of an interesting story where it came from, right? First of all, let's tell them what it's about. It's you're a crime reader. You love the crime books, right? Yes. And it's the entire Instagram is a celebration of that. Not just the writing, the covers too. You yes. Know, the artwork, you love the art. You know, you, the yeah. pulpy covers, all that. The hard boiled, a lot that's, of noir. That's beautiful stuff. You beautiful know? stuff. How did this come about? Uh, in my my day job. Part of what I do is I have to teach uh, people through uh, at, at the, in a public library setting how to use social media mm -hmm. uh, in certain aspects. And I am not on social media on any other uh, you know format. I'm not on Facebook. So I created several accounts basically to teach myself how to do this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were really meant to be just fake accounts with, you know, featuring things that interest me, you know, crime fiction, right. uh, covers, uh, a little bit of jazz music in there sometimes. Yeah, once in a while, and that's film, okay. A lot of film noir yep. stuff. Um, and it just blew up into some. I mean, I, it was sort of a, a lark at first, and I started getting followers, and people started uh, retweeting me and yeah. making comments, and I was like, you know, this is a real thing. So it just turned into something a little more serious than it was originally intended to. And I will also say that one of the things that inspired me for it was there's a lot of activity on Instagram for these uh, bookstagrammers, they right. call them. Bookstagram. And m it sort of skews more towards like a younger right. and and even maybe younger female kind of mm -hmm. group where they post these really elaborate photos of their book collections right. with all these props and it's color coded and they must use professional cameras and stuff. And I'm like, you know, there's no bookstagrammers, at least that I found, that were doing noir right. and hard boiled and real pulpy paperback stuff. So I said, let me try and see if I can do this. And I didn't have anything. I use an iPod Touch. I don't mm -hmm. even use an iPhone. You know? <laughs> so I have no fancy camera, no nope. fancy. I don't have a big lighting. You know, I use whatever lighting I have in the room, and uh, you know, well, I have fun with it. But, the, but the, the love of the material comes through. And I think that's one of the reasons why people react and, and follow, because it's, you know, there's nothing but the books. And 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 the passion, I guess, is the best way to put it. So, um, why noir? Um, well, that started, you know, when I was very young, I uh, with films, noir films. Right. It started with film before it was books, because um, when I was younger, I was not really a big reader. I, everything was movies. Okay. And if I was assigned to read a book at school, oh. yeah, I would go see. It would it would be the movie, and you know I, I'd probably fail <laughs> and, the test. And punt. <laughs> I'd fail the test in school because the tests are never about the movie; right, they're about right. the book. Um, and uh, classic film was always something I was attracted to, and okay. I loved the noir films mainly for the visual style, not so much for the subject matter of the mm -hmm. film. But when I was younger, I was attracted to the cool look and the clothes and just the way everybody acted on screen. And there was just sort of a, they were very highly stylized, those oh, films. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Often they were made very cheap, um, which is one of the reasons they had that noir lighting is because mm -hmm. they just, you know, it just, they were done on lower budgets, some of those films. Right. Um, and then when I got older and I started to realize that there were books that I 
could read that were not assigned to me from oh, school man. that were more fun to read, I ended up becoming a reader. And that's, then I started reading a lot of the books that those film noirs were based on. And that's how I got into the noir fiction. And I would love to scour old bookstores for the old $1 paper pulp paperbacks. Yeah, you show, the, some of those show those up on the Instagram. metal paperbacks yeah. and the Dell map backs that had the little map on the back. Mm -hmm. You know, those are great. So whenever I find them, I, I got to do a picture of those. That's, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So um, I, I want to go to both things. Okay. Going to put you, put you on the spot a little bit. All right. Okay. Top three or your favorite three. They don't have to be the best made ever, okay. but your favorite three noir films. Noir films. Mm -hmm. We'll go there wow, and then we'll come back. That's a tough. It's I really thought tough I was going to put you on the spot. Three. Yeah, yeah. three is like really well, hard. Well, you, you can do more, but. I, because I'll tell you, people I know, I, every every time I, I'm like, oh, you got to see this movie. This is one of my favorites. And they're like, All right, so you have a lot of favorites. Let's everything is a favorite of mine. Let's rephrase. But the, Tell the people who are listening. You gotta see and give us a couple of films, noir films. They have to see. Oh, um, well, I, for, I would probably say the Maltese Falcon first, but mm -hmm. the, everybody says the Maltese Falcon. It's like when you ask who's your favorite Bond movie, and they say Goldfinger. Right. You know, like it, it, that's just the gimme. Mm -hmm. um, but I would probably say that would be one required viewing. Um, another one is uh, Pick Up on South Street. Okay, yeah. Uh, with Richard Woodmark. Mm -hmm. That's a really good film. It's the um, second time that came uh, came up this weekend. Really? That movie, yeah. I, yeah. They recently showed it, I think, on Turner Classic Movies, yeah. like last month or a few mm -hmm. weeks ago. Maybe that's why. Someone used it as an example, yeah, yeah. But that's right. that's a good one. Give us one um, more. I, I, all right, I'll give you another one that's uh, that's a, a newer. It would be considered a neo noir because it's not black and white. But I would say Chinatown. Sure. Is a great, great film. Great. Great film, it's a great, great film, film noir in color, you know, proof that you could do a film noir in color. It doesn't have to be black and white. But meticulously done. Yes, oh, because man. it because the, you know there's, and let me just say, my opinion of noir. There's two kinds of noir. There's the film noir where they say it's noir because it's dark, right? And it's a crime film, and it's black and white, and it's in the shadows, you know, and it comes from the French phrase right. for film noir. And then there's noir fiction, which is any kind of story where there is like no hope. Everybody's screwed in that story, right? Right. right. You know, um, they very rarely have a happy ending. Yeah. Well, you this know. is Chinatown. So yeah, Chinatown yeah. is definitely like that. Like yeah. nobody comes out. Uh, on top at the end of that film. Now, are you, uh, the film is the whole thing? Would you like the behind the scenes stuff and all that stuff? Too? I like the behind the scenes yeah. stuff too. I, I, my, I have a, a previous, previous career in the uh, broadcast television industry. Oh. So when I was in college, I had a little bit of a film school background, a Excellent. little bit of production background. So I have a natural interest, even right. from when I was a kid, about like how those films are made and how they do them. So I love listening to that kind of trivia. So, so you, you heard the Jack Nicholson Lakers story, right? Uh, well, I've heard some, so I don't right. know the one, well, which one are you talking he's, about. He, he's, they're, they're filming Chinatown, right. and Polanski is you know just so meticulous about getting everything just right before they shoot right. so uh he he's get uh, nicholson gets called to the set and he says well we're in the final minutes of the game i'll be right with oh, you right. He's like, no 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 you heard this right i, I think so yeah. i want to hear you so he, says, he says you have to go says, you have to go right now and he goes over walks over the set messes up the blinds yeah. i'll be in my trailer <laughs> <laughs> he goes back watches the rest, the rest of the game yeah 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 that's fine <laughs> all right so we have three that people should see if they um if they haven't yet, they should see that. Right. All right. So you want to go for books now? We want to go for oh. books. Is what we want to do. Okay. So the three noir novels. Um, Just kind of. Well, I don't. You gotta read this. Doesn't have to be greatest ever, but. Um. 
In a Lonely Place. Okay. Is one, and which was a film noir too with Humphrey Bogart. Right. And who wrote in? Dorothy Hughes. There you go. So uh, she also wrote um, Ride the Pink Horse, which is another great film noir. I would kind of squeeze that. Maybe that would be a tie with Pick Up on Sound Street okay. for a film. That's a good book. Maltese Falcon, mm -hmm. again, is a great novel. Yeah. I mean, that's a book that I read. I, that's a book that I reread quite often, I yeah. would say. I read I read that. I mean, there's a few books that I'll read over and over again because I like the Just language a, and the style. Such a great style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So, um, but I know when this is over, I'm gonna say, damn, I should have well, told him about this. There's a comment section, you could just keep then, putting it in. Then I'll be put filling that <laughs> section up. That's right. And if it comes up while we're talking about other stuff, you oh, this one too, right. that'll be fun. Okay. Um, now, separate and apart from the book, okay, your three favorite covers. Oh, wow. Right? Um, because you are one of the things you do on Dime Sleuth on Instagram is you'll you just, there's like almost, um, just celebrating just the cover sometimes, yeah. you know? Uh, so give me one. Well, anything by uh, Robert McGinnis, because he had, I mean, for years. Explain he, who McGinnis is. And he's still is. alive. Uh, he uh, is an art, an illustrator, mm -hmm. still alive, mm -hmm. still doing covers now. Um, did a lot of the covers or the posters for some of the earlier uh, Bond films. Right. And he did, oh, I don't know, hundreds, maybe thousands of covers for uh, gold medal books, mm -hmm. Adele paperbacks back in the 50s and the 60s, um, long, slender figures of women, yeah. very scantily clad, you know, men in suits. Because in Everything noir, is really that's what happened. Right. <laughs> so he, but he's good. And now Hard Case Crime, which right. is a, a current publisher um, that reissues a lot of lost crime novels and publishes some new stuff in that sort of hard-boiled noir genre. Uh, they mimic a lot of the cover stylings from yeah. those paperbacks, and McGinnis does a lot of those. That's respect Still, right which there. is amazing that the guy's still, I think he's in his 90s. God bless him. And uh, he's still as good as and ever. And the style hasn't uh, no, fallen off no, at all? No, I don't a, think so at all. That's incredible, isn't it? It's great, yeah. Some of his yeah, covers are really amazing. Stuff. All right, so let's talk about where you like to hunt, right? Where do you like to go and try and find these old classic books? Oh, there's a bookstore in Morristown called Old Bookshop. Okay. It's on, uh, I think it's James Street is the name of the street. That's in, Morristown, uh, Morristown, New Jersey. Morristown, New Jersey, mm -hmm. yes. Um, that place has, it's unbelievable the amount of books, hardcovers too, that you can find. Um, for dirt cheap prices. I mean, you could go oh, to a paperback show, a convention, because right. they have pulp paperback conventions. Mm -hmm. You could see a paperback selling for like $25. A little small, you know, mass market paperback okay. from like 1955, you know, mm -hmm. with a great cover in good condition. You may find the exact same book in this bookstore for a buck 50. Yeah, you know? that's fantastic. So sometimes I'll go there and just go through the shelves and find covers that I like and I can spend five or six bucks and get and some just, really good things. And then yeah. you read the books and the yeah. books are great too because a lot of them are out of print. You know, some of them are forgotten authors that you've never heard of or you find a lot of things that are written by big names under a pseudonym. Right. So people don't even know that that was written by, you know, someone well-known. Um, so so that's good. But that's that's probably, and it's I, I live locally to that place so it's easy for me to get oh, to. Oh, cool. Cool. So that's a good place to go to. Now, is there... They don't uh, have a website or uh, they're not on social media, so I a, can't plug but, them. But if you look them up, Old Bookshop in Morristown, New Jersey. And it's amazing that it still exists. God yeah. bless it, you yeah, know? It's been around for a while. Uh, 
there was a town right next to me had one of those old bookshops and you'd walk in and there was just the room to walk in the aisle yeah, was, yeah. and everything was just books, 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 books. Yeah. And this no place more, sadly, no more. This place has a ceiling like an airplane hangar. Oh, so wow. there's narrow aisles, but they go way up to the top. You gotta Does get a step have, ladder to get to the top. Is yeah, it one of those? One it's of not the one. No, oh, that's not too an, bad. Attached ladder. <laughs> that, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. But um, no, it's it's just an awesome place. And I don't and know where he gets. I mean, young guy, old a, guy runs it's it. It's an older guy mm -hmm. who runs it with a woman who I don't know if it's his wife or or a friend, but the two of them have been running it as many years as I've been going there. I've been going there probably. 25, 30 years, That's maybe. Fantastic. Now, is there? Um, and it was there I, long before then, too. Right. So, is there a condition it has to be in? Are you looking for mint, or are you just looking for no? Because I'm not the beauty of I'm it. I'm not a hardcore collector that I'm looking to get things. It doesn't have to be a first print because a lot of these paperbacks are like third or fourth printing. Right, right, right. So you know they're not. They may not be worth a lot of money to a collector. Um, so that doesn't matter. Just as long as I can see the cover and the cover looks good. Boom. And now, now that I've been doing this thing on social media for so long, I sometimes just buy things just for the cover. Right. You know, just right. I, I mean, content I'll see, for your Instagram. I'll see something and say, wow, that'll make a great Instagram post. I gotta get this. You know. So you never do this. Just, and you take a picture and run off? No, no, no See that? Look, gotta, that's integrity no, right there. But that's because I got to go home and I got to set <laughs> it up, up and I got to get a prop. I got to put a fedora next to it and that's make it so look fun. sharp. That's you know, great. Put it next to the old yeah. typewriter. Well, that's one it of the things that's so good about this. It. Yeah, it's one of the things that's so good about uh, Dime Sleuth is it, the, the composition of the pictures is fantastic. Yeah. Now, you also do um, a lunch feature. Oh yeah, that's I started that uh, I don't know, maybe about a year ago I started mm -hmm. doing that. that crime fiction about. hashtag crime fiction lunch break. That's right. So I uh, sometimes on my lunch break I'll leave work and go to a local lunch spot, you know, some small mm -hmm. local place. I'll get a sandwich or a soup or something that I can eat quick, and I usually it's usually a short story. Right. So it'll be a magazine. Most often it's uh, Ellery Queen magazine right. or Alfred Hitchcock mystery magazine. There's been more Those than one time where times. where. You've posted something, and I've gone out because I have to go out of my way. To, there's only one place locally for me that uh, carries those two. Oh, really? And I haven't. You know, I keep saying to myself, I'm going to subscribe, but they they kind of come in kind of beaten up yes. when you subscribe. A lot so, of times, and I it get, bothers me. Yeah, it bothers me too. Yeah, yeah. So I hate that too. Yeah. You know, it'd be nice if they put send it to you in a bag, but they yeah. send it to you loose, and it goes through those feeders. Yeah. And the so I'd rather. Office. Get to this store and you know. Yeah. And I I'm a little fussy sometimes. Not the first one. I, like, I do the same exact thing. And let me tell you, I'm so happy to hear that you do that oh, yeah. because oh, people yeah. really pick on me for that. No. They're like, oh my god, it's ridiculous. Sometimes it might take me 10 minutes to find the one I want to take off Nothing. the shelf because go. it's got to be just right. right. And and I it's wish the they thing. used a little stronger paper for the covers. Because, I agree. You know, it, you know it, they they did years ago. Uh, they, they were both handled by different publishers. They mm -hmm. weren't. They weren't by. I don't think Dell magazines always published them. Okay. They were under different publishers, like in the 80s. Right. And uh, I know Hitchcock magazine for a fact. I've been reading Hitchcock since the 80s when I was a kid. Yeah. I used to buy it at a corner store up the corner from my house right. on my way to school. I would pick it up. It was like a dollar at that time, the cover price. That's how. That's how long ago it was. Sure. And they had thicker covers. Yeah. So it was almost like you were buying a paperback book right. with a thicker paperback yeah. cover back then. And I understand why, yeah. you know, to keep the prices down and keep going and all that stuff. But yeah. uh, Ellery Queen magazine, magazine yeah. Albert Hitchcock magazine, fantastic. It's a great way to in. Yes. You know, if you if you don't really know what noir is or what crime fiction is, yeah. uh, you 
you know, it's like a bag of M&Ms, right? You get a, a taste of a couple of different styles. You do. There's cozies and, in there. There's no matter what you read, there's going to be something in there right. that you'll enjoy. You did the, 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 I guess it was this summer issue, the July, yeah. right? Yeah. I've been doing uh, quite a few from that issue, I think. Yeah, and I, I saw it and, I, and ran and, out. And then I started taking some pictures. Some, I noticed. Yeah, but it's and all an homage to you. And I haven't read. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow, i got to read that one. Right. Well, because um, in my other life, um, I'm planning a, a crime, suspense, thriller, mystery, hodgepodge, like a genre right. Right. Uh, uh, class for my... Uh, Senior English class. Oh, I teach high school, and I wish they had that when I was. It's in high going school. to be all short stories, yeah. and I, one of the things I'm unofficially trying is to get it within their lifetime. So you know, every time I say, "Oh, there, there's more material. I got to go out," you know, so you know, and it will, 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 you know. I don't buy class sets, so don't arrest me, Ellery Queen. <laughs> it's your guy. Right. But we'll make a copy for just for class uses, mm -hmm. not you know. So it's, for I edu your education, education the we of the should future. be. That's right. I'm trying to build a new readership base right. <laughs> up in North that's New good, Jersey see? with the high school. So we'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, so you've contributed to that class already. So thank you very much. Wow, I'm there flattered to hear that. It's, it's true. It's Dime true. Sleuth is doing that's something right. good for. Uh, Dime Sleuth for the youth of America. But listen, you're giving back to because you're doing posts that of things that I haven't read yet. And yeah, I'm like, oh, man, I haven't gone through. I'll tell you a secret. Um, I read the magazines completely out of order. So mm -hmm. when I get the issue, I read all the shortest ones first to get oh, them that's out. that's interesting. So I flip through the magazine, and everything that's like a page or a couple of pages, I bang Jump those on. out, right. and then I go for the longer ones because oh. I want to get the magazine, and I don't want to get held up on a longer story, and then I'm waiting for the... Because right. a lot of times, like, I subscribe, too. So when I get them, sometimes I haven't gotten through them all by the right. time the next issue comes. Right, right, right. And they're every two months. So sometimes mm -hmm. it's a long... I just don't have the time to get through them all, and I'm like, oh, damn, so now I have a pile of magazines... Yep. Yep. trying to go back. The to pile of magazines that. right next to the pile That's of books. A, yeah, yes, so yes. It's a, it's a and no one can though. find you anymore. Yes, I... <laughs> so, um... Let's talk about the jazz for a second. Okay. Right? Um, that's really the other element that you see consistently. Why the jazz? Um, it works really well with well, the other it material, does. It does. but why it jazz? It sort of happens. That, that kind of happened that way. When, mm. I, when I did the Instagram, I was like, oh, you know, these things really go well. When I first started the account, I did... Um, I was doing weird posts where I would post like a crime novel and then a jazz album that went along with it. That's like cool. a listen along. Mm -hmm. So it's like a listen alike. So you like the book, do you listen to this instrumental right. while you're reading? You know, reading this book? That like it's is good ambient music. Cool. I probably should do cool. a new one of those, a new yeah, series well, of those. Once a month, those are or cool. like that. Yeah, yeah. They get some activity. Right. You know, like I get a lot of action on those when those I post are cool. those. Um, but I've always been a fan of, of jazz music mm -hmm. since I was very young. I inherited a lot of my grandfather's old records years Oh, that's ago. great. And I was very fortunate to have two grandfathers that had very wacky tastes in music. <laughs> so a lot of Martin Denny and a lot of Les Baxter, like the Hawaiian kind of tiki okay. music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Sinatra. And, that you know, my parents are baby boomers, so I inherited the whole love of Motown from right, them. Right, sure, sure, But sure. Uh, my grandparents were the ones that got me into a lot of the older jazz and a lot of the right. instrumental stuff. So I, it was from there, just listening to those records when I was in high school, right. that I developed a taste for that. And I'm, I'm number four out of five kids, so my older brother and my oldest sister, they would each teach me a different kind of music. Right. And then the guy right above me had the 70s classroom where he pushed a lot of that on. 
you know, my little sister just Barry Manilow. I don't know what happened, <laughs> bro. <No, you know, laughs> She's got the most eclectic of... taste. But it's uh, my father was Johnny Cash. My mother was Trini Lopez. Really? So I don't know how those two work yeah, together, well, but it worked out really well. So um, that's a great way, by the way, to get exposed to music and learn about it. Is yeah. having people in your life oh, yeah. who share that stuff with yeah. you. Because otherwise, how are you going to find out about it? Yeah, you go to a record yeah. store and browse stuff, and so yeah, you, know, but you really have to hear it around you. You have, to, yeah. It, I think same thing with reading. My yeah. father. I, you know, he's passed, um, but I don't really have many memories when he wasn't holding a book. You know, I, yeah. I he would, whether he was doing something else, unless he was drying the dishes, he had a book in his hand, which was fantastic. And, right. and uh, I would grab one, some of his when I was re really too young to read them. I remember reading a, a gangster book, right. you know, and I was 10, 11, 12. What? What? Are you? <laughs> but never, uh, never recovered from That's it. I've it. been on that Changed, line. You're a changed man. Ever oh yeah, since, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So for the better. For the better. For the better. Yeah. You know. So what? What are we missing? What have I not talked about about one of the features? Is there anything that we haven't covered? Well, I'm on Twitter also. Oh, with the same with the same what? handle di at Dime Sleuth. Well, I thought this Twitter. was Mr. Nobody. No, no, no. Well, no social media Facebook, now. Look at you. Facebook is the only one because you can't create a Facebook account, or at least I haven't figured out how to, with a fake identity. Oh, okay. You can't do that. Right, you have right, to right. have your. I think you got to put That's your address they down want there. To sell your yeah, identity. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so Twitter and Instagram are really the only ones that you can kind of get away with that Ooh, with. All right. So and to... Goodreads. I'm on Goodreads as well as at Dime Sleuth. So oh, that's you can fantastic. get me out on all three of those if you want to that's follow me. Cool. Check out my reading history yeah. on uh, on Goodreads. Uh, I, I write I do write reviews that's sometimes. Great. That's great. So once in a while you'll see a review on on some stuff. I read a lot of Ross McDonald. Love Ross McDonald. Sure. Great he's stuff. big too. I, in fact I would have mentioned him during the noir when you said my top three noir, but he's not I think he's more hard-boiled than noir. He's noir adjacent, Although right? he does have some books with a noir ending on them. Right, some of them right. are pretty dark, but yeah. I think he's more like the hard-boiled P.I. type. Yeah, of. but he, he's he's not to be missed, though. No, definitely yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. No, no, so uh, here's what you do. You uh, go to Instagram, Dime Sleuth, D-I-M-E-S-L-E-U-T-H. That's it. Follow it. It's a lot of fun. Check out Twitter, put on some jazz, enjoy Dime Sleuth. Thank you for your time. This has been great, Chris. It's Thank you so fun. much for having me to do this. Just for the record, before we recorded, you seemed a little nervous about how it was going to go, yeah. but it was I had hardly had to do any work at you're, all. You're a natural. Ah, get out of great. here. Great. Uh. You just create that environment. There you go. Dime Sleuth, ladies and gentlemen. Go check them out and enjoy. All right. Um, you know what? Usually, I tell the writer... I kind of tie in the name of this podcast, but I will tell the listener today that go check out Dime Sleuth and he will tell you a damn story. Peace. <laughs>